Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtcast. Cole Petum here as always. And of course, Villa are on an international break. But nonetheless, we at the Holtcast are here as always. And I always say that thinking most likely we don't even record half the time on international break. So we're here to show some consistency, of course. But nonetheless, it'll just be a little bit of a housekeeping episode. We'll kind of get uh, Seb and Danny's thoughts kind of on the season so far. We'll look at the run-in, of course, because we have a number of very tough fixtures for the next five games, of course. Go over a little bit um, in regards to our injuries and Tyrone Mings playing against Andorra today. Of course, you'll hear this on Monday. So yesterday, I guess I should say, and just kind of have general Villa chatter and all that good stuff. Because half the time we talk since you guys still listen. So we do appreciate it. But nonetheless, let's get over to these two fellows first. Seb, how's it going? I'm very good. I don't think for Villa, this international break obviously could have come at the best time possible. However, as a football fan, whoever decided that three games into the season, we should call it halt for two weeks, deserves some sort of punishable prison sentence. That's a little extreme, but nonetheless, that's your opinion. So it's always valid. Danny, how's it going? Yeah, it's cool, Cole. It's cool. Um, Just been listening to Donda and uh, obviously Drake's new album as well. So it's been a bit of a been a bit of a chill week. You know how it is, Cole. Is it bad that I don't know what Donda is? No, yeah, it's no. pretty bad, Cole. Cole, man, you literally run a podcast on the internet, dude. <laughs> well, that doesn't mean I know everything. It's not like I know the <laughs> circumference of like the earth or something. I don't know. Okay, it's the, well, it's the new Kanye West album. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I haven't listened to Kanye West. Get since, down with like, the kids, Cole. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm an old, I'm the oldest one here, technically. So I guess that's dude, the case. You're not that much older than me, though. I'm taking on the Simon role today. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Simon, if you're listening, so, we love you. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, that's why. Even I've when he's to. not here, he still gets bowels of abuse. Yeah, uh, the, the the best guys, and this is just total nonsense. We're talking is when Seb gives Simon abuse because, like, he's like half his age. But anyways, nonetheless, it's always a, it's a good time just, to hear that. And Simon Simon can't say anything back to Seb. Like, neither none of us can say anything back to Seb because he's a literal child. Yeah, well, all you can say is watch out, Seb, when you go, go to Villa Park next and Simon's there. He might give you a <laughs> scolding. But nonetheless, guys, um, let's get into it. Of course, the last Holtcast we had Tom and Simon on. Uh, we went for over an hour just kind of going into um, the Brentford game and their thoughts really on the kind of the first three games, including the cup matches and all that kind of stuff. So these guys haven't really had their say on the Holtcast in regards to the first three games and all their thoughts so far with the injury plague season that we've had so far. Hopefully it's coming to an end here against Chelsea very shortly. But nonetheless, Seb, how have you felt about the season so far? Uh, Yeah, I mean, obviously first game was a bit underwhelming. I think we all came into it with some expectation and that didn't go to plan. But look, I mean, I don't know how many times I've said this, but, you know, this is going to be a rebuilding phase for quite some time. We've still got a lot of first team players out injured and this isn't our best team yet. So, 
we're still working our way into the season. It's always nice to have a good start like last year. It pushes you and gives you momentum. But for now, I'm not worried. Ask me again at, at Christmas. And if we haven't picked up some form, then, you know, that will be a concern. But for now, yeah, I'm chill. I'm blessed. Fair enough. Danny, how do you feel about it? Yeah, I mean, um, what specifically the, the international break or? I love when you don't listen to me um, about Villa's first three games of the season, just the start of the season so far. No, sorry. No, it's because it's all kind of like, it all kind of <laughs> feeds into it. Because for, for me, it's just, it's one of those where, like, as, as Seb said earlier, like the international break couldn't have come at a better time. I still don't feel like, I, don't, I still don't feel like we're seeing the proper Villa yet. And that's, that's the thing. This entire like start of the season has felt like a, it still feels like preseason, dude. It kind of, in, in a way, I kind of feel a bit, annoyed because it's like could we not have played some better teams so far so that we could have got those out of the way and then you know I would have liked to have played sort of Brentford Newcastle Watford having had our best players back because you know that those could have been nine points um I mean if I'm to say like I'd say I'm I'm on a positive in the main that knowing that we've got Bailey to come back knowing that we've got Traore to come back knowing that Watkins is getting fitter the breaks come at a good time because I'm hoping who knows with Villa, who knows with the way that our injuries, um, our injury information comes out. But I'm hoping that uh, come the Chelsea game, we'll have Watkins around. Triore will be magically back. Bailey will be magically back. But I'd say the main thing for me is that we've got a lot of good young players coming through. Jacob Ramsey, for me, has been an absolute star an absolute star showing in, in, in the way the season has begun. And also to see Chakwamaka, also to see Cameron Archer forcing his way into the bench as well um, after the hat-trick in the cup. Uh, that's, I'd say, the big positive that the start of our season has been defined by. It's the young players coming through. Yeah, and I, I've kind of said this on the previous podcast too, and I think it's kind of a different mindset for the football club more so than anything. It's went from definitely... A, as long as I can remember supporting Villa is, you know what, spend, spend, spend. We need more players. And I, I think every kind of football fan to some kind of extent is like that. But we're spending, but we're spending on the first team and for the future as well. And I think that's the kind of the most important thing where we've went from, oh, we must need Europe to, okay, well, we might get there, but we're going to also have players that, okay, if they eventually do move on, they'll be at a half decent age and you can make a killer kind of price tag or label a price tag on them, I should say. So it's kind of, I don't know, I feel like we're kind of going in two different directions as a club and that's honestly the best two different directions you can really go in. And at some point you have to think those kind of directions meet hopefully in a positive manner. And Danny there was kind of speaking about injuries, of course. And if we're looking ahead of the Chelsea game, we're not really going to preview the Chelsea game here, but we're going to talk about of course, Chelsea, Everton, uh, Chelsea and the Cup, um, United, Spurs. It's just an, a nuts run in coming up, and it's making me more nervous as I say that. But you you do look at the injuries, of course, and you look at the likes of Morgan Sanson. Of course, you'd probably think the most he can really kind of expect to be is on the bench against Chelsea. You might look at probably John McGinn to be back, of course, because he was playing with Scotland in the international break as well. Uh, Bertie Traore should be back as well. Mings, of course, played against Andorra. Another clean sheet to his record, of course, didn't play against Brentford. He should be back. Apparently, Konza should be back as well. Um, I think I saw something about uh, Leon Bailey finally being back. Like The list just goes on and on and on and on. And to be honest, I can't remember the last time it's been this long when you have that many crucial players. So 
I think the one thing we all have to keep in mind is we haven't even seen our full strength side. And you know what? Of course, would we have liked more points at the start of the season? Sure. But with the team that we have, it's basically last season with a sprinkle of new. You're still expecting players to kind of gel. So I don't know. You might have that kind of hiccup when everyone comes back too. How do you fit them in as well? But we'll have to wait and see, of course, because we're not Dean Smith. We're not Christian Perslow. We're not anybody really directly involved with the club. We don't make those decisions. So anyways, let's kind of get more so into the run-in. Like I said before, to read out here quickly, we have Chelsea away, Everton at home, Chelsea away in the cup, Man United away, and Spurs away. A lot of away games, Danny, so tightly kind of in succession. How do you feel about this running? Because, I mean, if this was two years ago, just being newly promoted back into the Premier League, I think we would have think, okay, Everton is the only game you might get a point out of. But how do you see it now? Dude, like literally, I don't see us winning a single game apart from the Everton game. And even then, Rafa's got Everton playing quite well. I don't know why you're looking shocked. I don't know why you're looking shocked. <laughs> well, Chelsea, Chelsea have come into the season under Tuchel, right, with a side that's pretty much ready-made. And, you know, a system that, that works and is incredibly hard to break down. And it's not going to get broken down by, like, a, you know, mashed-up Villa side who literally don't know their attack. And while Ghazi is not going to be sending Thomas Tuchel's attack, you know, to the, to the supermarket. Oh, yes, um, he is. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> He's not. Um, I think on top of that, you know, when you look at United, uh, I just think... You look at what they've got in attack now, you know, with Ronaldo, the way that Greenwood started the season, like um, who else? They're, Jaden Sancho. Like I'd, I'd imagine that they're going to, you know, again, they're, they're going to have their full team to pick from really, you know, apart from, I think like Phil Jones was injured. And then who else is there? Spurs? Yeah. Right? I got Spurs in there and yeah, Chelsea actually, twice. Yeah. Yeah. They actually managed to hold, keep hold of Harry Kane. They look incredibly positive. They've still got Kane, Son, and they've got Romero in their team as well. So, like, shake your head. But, like, I look at every game one by one. I don't see Villa winning any of them just yet. If Villa had started the season with their full team, knowing that we're going to go with Bailey, Watkins, Buendia, um, and uh, Danny Ings and attack, and they'd got to play with each other a little bit, then sure, I'd be like, great, you know, we'll be able to get this together. It's just, But at the, at the moment... We're just we're we're having to plug so many holes. Like that's where we're at right now. And you can't plug holes and beat those teams. Uh so maybe Everton. I don't see the other ones. The Chelsea Cup game, yeah, sure. Let's I think we'll win that. I mean, look, Danny has a point. They're difficult games, and of course, we're gonna struggle for most of them. However, I'm used to Danny normally taking the positive mindset on this podcast while I'm more the doom and gloom one. So it looks like we've switched around. I think you're forgetting. I know it's different circumstances, but Chelsea, we were unbeaten against them last season. Spurs, we've got away who we beat last season. And I know it's different team and different circumstances, but, you know, we seem to be set up. When we set up more defensively, I think that helps us, especially on the road. Um, I mean, we'll probably see Nakamba come in maybe Chuck will make a depart I don't think we'll see Ramsey feature much maybe against Everton but I think we could go back to a midfield two uh, which wouldn't surprise me with Nakamba and McGinn when maybe Louise comes in as well Um, but I don't think I don't think it's as bad as you say I think we'll see a strong team against Chelsea in the cup and I think that will give us an indicator of where we're at 
fitness wise it will be pretty much like a preseason friendly for us just not preseason of course um but yeah look Chelsea away European champions that's always going to be difficult but we've never been I mean in recent years since we've come back up I think the first one we lost 2-1 and then drew one all last year during um, Al Ghazi's purple patch so anything can happen Al Ghazi seems to like playing Chelsea I think he scored home and away against them last season so as much as it's not looking great and the fixtures are piling on top of us thick and fast I think we'll be all right yeah like it's a tricky one because like I mean at what point I guess and this is kind of the question no one can really answer is at what point is everyone healthy um, that is really considered your first team your starting team and at what point did they all click does that somehow kind of start against Chelsea? Does it start against Everton? Does it start against Chelsea in the cup? Do we somehow shock United and Tyrone Mings puts Ronaldo in his back pocket? Like you, you never know. I, I, I just jinxed ourselves saying that and knowing our luck against United, Sancho will not show up in the Premier League until that point, probably because uh, he's had a little bit of a slow start. But at some point when you're looking at that kind of fixture schedule, of course, we're going to label Everton as the one you kind of have to get three points out of. And I, I think looking at it, it's almost even more dangerous in itself to kind of pinpoint where you need results. Because, of course, the pressure mounts and we don't really know when everyone's going to be back. Of course, we look at both Emmys, Buendia and Martinez, and we don't really know when they'll be back. Of course, after quarantining, going to have to get back kind of back on the proper regime, fitness, eating, yada, yada, yada. So it's just one of those things where I personally look at it as this season given, and I mean, we're not the only team and especially only in this league alone that have had a disrupted preseason. A lot of other teams have some really haven't compared to others. Um, it's going to be tricky. Personally, I think we're going to be a second half side that goes on a massive run. And maybe that's kind of a Nostradamus thing to say, and it could bite me in the face and we just have a very average season, but I just see it clicking kind of later than sooner, to be honest. But Seb, I'll come back to you. What in an ideal world, when we look at a fully healthy Villa squad, and we'll leave Trezeguet and Keenan Davis out because those are long term, of course, and you can't really put any ETA on those because those are always changing. What's your kind of ideal expectation with this side, kind of for not only this season, but going into future seasons? I think for this season, I think if we match our points tally from last season, then I think that will be a success for me. Um, With the way we've started and how halted things have been, if we can get up to the standard we did last season, then that, I mean, obviously last season we lost to quite a few of the relegated teams, but we ended up beating some big teams on our way. So if we could even that out and balance it, then I think we'll be all right in future seasons. I mean, look, with the youngsters we've got coming through, you know, we can't sing our praises high enough for them. I think we've set ourselves up perfectly to be able to integrate those into the first team. I think in recent years, if we'd have had this good of an academy, I think many of them will have left because we didn't have a manager who brought through young players and we did. they probably wouldn't have been able to see a pathway. However, now it's obvious with Chuck Wamaker, Philogene Bidas knocking on the door. I mean, obviously, before he got injured, Keenan Davis was, to quote Steve Bruce, there or thereabouts within the first team. So they've got opportunities now. So in future years, I don't see why we can't progress. 
Yeah, like it's just one of those. And I think it's kind of subject to change for everyone's opinion. But Danny, when you look at it yourself, how do you feel about it? Yeah, it's a strange one because the thing is like we've already dropped points and we're inevitably going to drop more um, considering the injury record. And it just, it does upset me, man. Like we, we could have had a better season if it wasn't for Grealish getting injured last year. The, the year before, which everyone credits to Grealish keeping Villa up, was the season where our there's, main striker... There's the Grealish mention, from, that's it. No, there we go, part <laughs> one. There's the first Grealish mention. But no, I've just just going to get this out there because I've heard a few people say, he kept your club up single-handedly, he didn't. Wesley got injured that year and then so did Tom Heaton. And that mashed us up. And so we, we couldn't really see really like how far Villa had come that year. Um, this year, I'm looking at it, 55 points, I think only got us to 11th. I think 55 points to get you... Eighth or ninth this year, considering. Yeah, no, I think the I think the league gets get the league gets more uh, competitive, and therefore I think the shape the the points get shared out a little bit more. I think that's that's what happens. So for me, if you fit if you get fifty five points, you finish top half. So match it. I think I'll be happy, but I think we'll struggle to match it. Um, we need to be able to pick up some points against some big sides, compensate for the drop points against Brentford and Watford. I think that's the main thing. Yeah. And I guess, you know what, we can just kind of even throw this out there and Danny, I'll come back to you to put your rate on the spot. If you're going to look at Chelsea, Everton, Chelsea in the cup, United Spurs, of course, well, actually, you know what, we'll throw out Everton because that's not really um, like, a, I wouldn't say not a major game, but one that you're not really expecting us to lose. If you're looking at the others, is there one in particular? And of course it's subject to people being fit and COVID and all the craziness that goes on now. Is there one result where you could say, you know what, maybe there's a chance we give a little bit of a surprise package? It's tough, I know. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so like, Spurs are a completely different side in the under Nuno. Like, he actually has them moving around, which like Mourinho and um, Mason didn't. Maybe United, maybe Ronaldo has an absolute stinker. Who knows? Maybe he doesn't quite settle back into the pace of the Premier League yet. Or it gets a hat trick. It's one of the others. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, one or the other. I'd I'd quite, I'd quite like us to pick something up against United. I think, I think it's been coming for a while. Yeah. So, you know, we've been playing well against United, and you know they've been, they've been getting the, um, the good side of a lot of decisions. So I want to say United. I want to say we can be riled up enough to do something. So, um, yeah, let's go for United. Fair enough. I think I'd probably agree with Danny. If I wanted us to win one of those games as much as I did, then it is probably United because I don't think in my lifetime I've seen us beat United. So, I mean, that would obviously be nice. Maybe I'm forgetting one. But then you look down the fixture list and of all the fixtures we've talked about, the next one is Wolves. So I'd probably go... You know, that's equally as important, although we're not a local rivalry. Sky Sports like to big it up as much as they possibly can. So if we could still get bragging rights, and I say that in quotation marks, then, you know, that would always be nice as well. And I think that will give us a kick then. Yeah, I mean, if I look at it, I Spurs is probably the one you look at. Of course, I think they've won every game 1-0. Um, that obviously that's never going to kind of go on to be continual thing. At at some point you do have a little bit of a stumble period and you always kind of have to wonder when Harry Kane kind of gets fully going again, what kind of side they'll really be if he does, of course, Uh, I would assume he does based on his track record, especially in the Premier league. But 
personally, I look at it and I think it's one of the games against Chelsea. And the reason I say that is, it's just, in my opinion, Chelsea are so unpredictable. They'll have a manager come in halfway through one season after they're doing poor, like last season, win something major, i.e. the Champions League. And then I'm not going to say they're going to stumble. Of course, they brought Lukaku back and that's just a whole issue in itself. And they look very settled, but at some point they're going to go through another little kind of patch again. And you always wonder when that's going to be. They're a very short term vision club in that aspect especially with the first team. Of course, they have like a million players out on loan and make like a billion pounds a year, it feels like, just on loan. So that's a kind of whole other thing in itself. But I don't know. I always look at them and I maybe at the end of last season, beating Spurs and Chelsea isn't really a good parameter of where we're going to be or kind of where they're going to be. Of course, Spurs were an absolute mess. Chelsea just didn't really seem bothered, to be honest. They're getting kind of prepped for the Champions League final. But I don't know. It, it kind of showed one thing too that we can go to these sides or they come to us, vice versa, whatever, and we can give them a good game. So I, I think no matter what the result for any of these games are, I can kind of foresee, hopefully, us at least being competitive. And at the end of the day, I think that's all we can really ask for when you're playing these teams. Because at some point, I mean, I don't know how many fans kind of go on about oh, we need to break into uh, European spots. Well, if you're going to do that, you need to go into these runs and at least pick up a few wins. Of course, we don't really have the healthy squad right now to foresee that or do that, so we'll have to wait and see. But nonetheless, I'd probably say Spurs or Chelsea, one of those have to be ones we have to aim for or at least get a surprise kind of bonus out of. But nonetheless, watch us only beat Everton and then fans go into absolute turmoil saying we're going to get relegated now or something like that. So you never know with our fan base in particular, but nonetheless, um, let's kind of get out of that mindset and we'll go on to uh, Tyrone Mings in particular, of course, um, injured against Brentford with with his rib. I saw a lot of people getting kind of, I wouldn't say handsy on Twitter, but very opinionated saying, of course, now he's healthy for England when he was injured for us you you don't recover from a rib that quickly and it's just like my opinion I look at it and I think since when did everyone become a medical doctor that's my first thing but nonetheless it was an impressive performance of course England ran out four nil winners another clean sheet for Tyrone Mings and Seb I'll come to you because you're the one that brought this up so what did you think of his performance in particular I mean, first of all, going back to the fact that you don't recover from a rib that quickly, I don't think he did it in the Brentford game. You saw strapping um, over his back. So I think that was done quite a while ago. Uh, So I don't think it was as big as it was probably made out. Um, In terms of England, yeah, he looked comfortable. He was moving freely. He played the full 90 minutes, which means he should be back for Chelsea, which should calm a few fans' nerves down. Um, But yeah, I mean, he looked a comfortable international footballer. And I think that's the level we're getting to now where he can mentor Konsa so that he can then eventually reach that level. And within months and with the World Cup coming up next year, I don't think he'll be the only Villa player to feature. Yeah, 100%. I mean, again, I I can't remember, to be honest, we've been talking like before this podcast for so long. I'm starting to forget what we mentioned off air versus on air, to be honest. So uh, apologies if we didn't bring this up on this and you guys are probably wondering what the hell I'm talking about at this point. But again, it's we're kind of into that next level of higher international or international players where they're always going to be gone. You're in in a COVID world. We're going to have to deal with 
players getting COVID, having to go through quarantine. It's just, it's kind of the nature of the beast. And again, it's why we have more depth in the squad. It's why you see more quality players coming in. It's why they've invested and kind of seen this coming. And in my opinion, it's nice to just see the club actually being active in the market, seeing things as it is and planning ahead. I mean, go back five years. Were we planning? No, we were throwing money at the problem and hoping it stuck. So at the end of the day, it is what it is. And with in regards to Tyro Mings, I mean, the man does everything under the sun for us. And he's a brilliant leader. Like people just, in my opinion, just get off his back. I don't know what else he could do for people to just accept it as it is. People get injured. We don't know everything. That's that. But anyways, guys, um, that's the end of my list of stuff that I wanted to talk about in particular. Um, I know we kind of talked beforehand and maybe we had a few questions that we brought up ourselves and we went on about a million different things that we probably should have recorded and put on here. But nonetheless, we didn't because that's typical me not to press the record button. But nonetheless, do you guys have anything you want to bring up? Seb shaking no. Danny's going off mute, so he must want to say something. Yeah, I think um, I just I had a little bit of a question come to my head about um, Jacob Ramsey. Uh, where like, the guy's come out and he's put in some pretty good performances, right? And, you know, whenever... Like, okay, look, if Jacob Ramsey played for Man United and broke into that team, started playing for them, you know, there'd be a lot of things said. If he did it for Arsenal, even then, a team with a lot of eyes on him, Tottenham, even then. Um, for me, I'm looking at him. Where do you rank him as, like, potential-wise? And, and what? how much would it take for you to sell someone like Jacob Ramsey, like what bid would have to come in? Because we're we're at a really weird stage with that guy, aren't we? Because yeah. personally, I look at him and I and immediately I think he can hang in there with John McGinn and Dougie Louise with ease. Well, he's the first one that's really come through. At, well, t- to be honest, he's kind of come through before Villa were somehow in some way regarded as having this brilliant academy that just came out of nowhere after a season right so like with you you look at him in particular and he's kind of ahead of schedule in terms of maybe where people kind of saw him and you look at last season where he played so much and to be honest I mean I wish he played more than Ross Barkley did to be honest at one point and he was getting his game time and I think it's one of those things too where you look at him and um, of course, it's early, but these are players that you need to tie down for long term to have that control to see where they go. And to be honest, at this point, maybe it's bold to say it. I wouldn't accept anything under 25, to be honest. I think with where he can go, if he keeps the performances on the pitch with what he's been doing already, I mean, well, throw in the English factor as one that, that's automatically going to inflate it by a few million easily. And then you throw in what he can do on the pitch. I think once he starts adding goals and assists, I mean, it's a whole nother beast. But Seb, how do you see it? It's a really difficult one for me because you're judging a player's potential ceiling against their ability now. I mean, if we were to sell him, uh, I mean, I, don't, I, I genuinely, I, I don't know. It's a really good question and probably I won't be able to give you a definitive answer. I mean, he's holding his own. Is he holding his own because of our lack of other options in midfield that are performing consistently? I mean, he came on against Watford and he changed the game and he was an influential figure against 
Newcastle and then was unlucky to miss the Brentford game through injury. But I don't remember him doing much of note last year. I mean, he broke into the team and, you know, he was getting himself on the bench and getting himself minutes. But I don't remember us raving about him as much last year, as in he was a his ability to impact games and change games. So it's a really difficult one. I mean, obviously, given his age, he needs time and he needs experience. But I mean, the signs are positive, right? With all our youth players, that is. The signs are all there and the signs are all positive. And given the right mentoring and given the right ability and platform to perform, then yeah, he can reach his full potential, which I think is an England international. He seems physically a lot better. Like from last year, I was not think I've noticed with all of our youth players, isn't it? I think Smith focuses so much on bulking his players out so that they can hold their own younger age. You look if you look at if you look at like Villa's back four, don't you? Like in the under twenty threes games, like you could look at those dudes from afar and be like, they're men. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like I don't know if you've seen um, we've got we've got one guy who looks particularly strong, Zito. I mean, this probably doesn't help because we've signed about 12 of them, but has he come from the West Brom Academy? Did we sign him this summer from West Brom? I don't think we signed him from West Brom, but like he's a, he's a, he's a really strong defender from Cameroon who we've got in our, um, in our 23 side. And then, but then like you also look at sort of um, Sil Swinkles who himself is like a big guy. I don't know if to call him strong. He probably is. Um, I'd say Bridge as well was, you know, probably... Physically, could probably hold his own. I think it's important, isn't it? Like, it doesn't. It doesn't look like we have got like boys running onto the pitch, basically. Yeah, man. Completely agree. Completely so. agree. And I mean, the difference is, and I hate to bring his name up again, but when Jack broke through, it was a completely different story because it was this little scruffy lad that was getting knocked about all over the place, and that's probably where he came so used to winning so many fouls, and obviously yeah, it turned yeah. into a positive for us in the end. But it wasn't think- just him. Was it? No, it was, no, exactly. I mean, Russian Hepburn Murphy won as well. Yeah, exactly. He, he was so quick and he was so positive that yeah. he just couldn't get past the centre-backs when he was playing in the Premier League because they'd be like, you know, a foot taller than him. So it's important to have players that can hold their own against older people. Because you look at our under-23s, most of them are 19, 18, maybe even 17-year-olds. So yeah, from yeah, a young yeah. age, they're going to have to hold their own on the pitch and that can only help when they get integrated into, whether that be on loan in the lower leagues because of the physicality or whether that be the Premier League. Yeah. For, for the record, lads, like I'm, I'm loving watching the under-23s games. I've got, I've got um, my dad decided to get the, the, the subscription, the Villa TV one, just to watch like the full match highlights. But to watch the under-23s games is good fun. Like it really does excite you. Genuinely. Well, it's just it's just about promoting the future. And like I kind of wanted to say this maybe a little bit later, but I might as well say it now is now again, I feel like it's Beetlejuice. But we're gonna say his name a third time and he's gonna appear somehow. Um, if he does, maybe he has a hot take. But <laughs> you look at it was Grealish centric, like the whole football club, and that you kind of looked at Jacob Ramsey coming through and it was like, Oh, that's nice, but we have Jack Grealish we have him like that's all that matters and now that you look at it and this is what i hope doesn't happen i hope everyone mm-hmm. has patience because we see what happens when you give players time to develop and you show them the respect and you encourage them and of course you can look at girls past and the mistakes he made as well probably what not to do so maybe that's kind of benefit for some of the younger crop but 
at the end of the day, you, you look at Chokameke, you look at Phil G. Bidens, you look at uh, Sinisalo, our third choice keeper, and he's <laughs> like young as hell. I mean, I feel old looking at some of these guys and I'm only 27. It's just, it's, it's a whole different model of how the club's going forward. And of course, every, every fan base has fans. And sometimes I'm one of them where I just want us to, get an exciting current star and everyone wants that current player, but we have future stars. We have players stepping in at 17. Like what were you guys doing? Well, I mean, I could ask Seb what he was doing, but I mean, like Danny, what were you doing at 17? Like, I know what I was doing. I was still in high school playing call of duty and going to parties and doing nothing like that. Like you're going to parties at 17. I had to wait till I was 18. Oh, really? Well, I it's it's a different culture over here. I also live in a, a town with a population of like 23,000. So there's a lot of fields to have said parties in. But anyways, um, shout out to people. So, so Cole's, Cole's been having parties in fields at 17. Yeah, that's, that's not what I'd look at Cole and think of. Yeah, we, think. Used, to, we used to call them. Um, oh, I can't remember what the one was called, but it was something bomber, raves. but I can't remember. But anyways, bomber, no, we'd not have raves. We're no, never. Oh, you're gonna have to find me a picture from somewhere. Because no, you do not want to see my Justin Bieber esque haircuts when I'm younger. But anyways, were they were they non pharmaceutical? Like <laughs> no, we're just drinking. <laughs> Jesus, what he's gone and trash on farmers. I love how I was talking about Jack Grealish and somehow this got brought up. I don't know if the two relate, but anyways, we're gonna get done. This with sums up the now. podcast to a T. Oh Jesus! But anyways, well, we're not gonna get done for slandering you, Cole. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but uh, yeah, whatever. I won't really say it. I was just about to say because I'll probably make it sound worse. But anyways, my point is the future is exciting and we can look forward to. And you know what? Let's let's spin this another way, because if you look at one, I mean, we could do this for so many youth players um, or young players, I should say. Um, you look at Chequamaka. I think it was it mm. Byron wanted them for like 15 million or something already at 17. Oh, really? So, I, I think, I mean, that was just paper talk like oh. months ago, but if that's the case, Danny, wouldn't it? He, or yeah, one of them. Yeah. But Danny, if you look at that kind of to the similar degree of the Jacob Ramsey question you posed, how much would you sell him for at this point? I mean, you don't, I, in my opinion, it's 30 then. Like, <laughs> no, with truck, with truck will make her as a release, clo- not release clause, um, sell on on that as a massive sell on. There's also, if he gets picked internationally, Slapping another 10 million on it. If he scores 15 goals or gets 10 assists, slapping another 10, 15 million on it. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, there'd be crazy amounts of, um, yeah, if it was me, there'd be, there'd be crazy enough amounts of clauses in that because you can't just let a player go. Look what, so like, look at, look at City, what they did with Sancho. This let the guy go. What, how? You know, United done it in the past with, Pod, with Pogba, Chelsea have done it in the past with Lukaku. I don't want us to ever see this crop of youngsters we have right now and let them go and become superstars elsewhere. That that would really, um, really hurt me. So yeah, Carney, probably 30. Just knowing that the club has that much faith in the guy. Yeah, well, that's the thing. And like the, the one thing I will want to say is every club has a, a hit and a miss. It's going to happen again at some point where he you let someone go and they become a superstar. I mean, hell look at Harry Kane. He was on loan to Millwall, Norwich and a million other places. It felt like, I think late Orient too. And like, you just look at him and you thought, okay, there's nothing special there. Nothing's going to happen. And he just came onto the scene. I don't know. Maybe it was Tim Sherwood that 
just somehow boosted him and that's why he's a superstar now i'm saying this as a joke people i don't actually think tim sherwood made him a superstar but nonetheless seb if you want to jump into this feel free i mean on the chuck will make a debate i genuinely don't think you could name a price because everything's there for him to succeed at villa he's already england youth captain Hmm. ahead of people three four years older than him He's got a clear pathway into the team because he's getting the appearances now and he's performing when he's being allowed those appearances. I mean, look, I wouldn't be surprised if he's a first-team regular by next season. It, it genuinely wouldn't surprise me because... And the club have let some youth players go in the last few years and people at the time have been going, oh, that's a disgrace. You know, they're going to be the next best thing and... You know, we've seen nothing of them ever again. I mean, yeah, look, it happens. You let some go and they go on and reach their potential, which has nothing to do with the club. That's just they might fit another club's philosophy somewhere else. And we've got to remember that all the youth players we've got now aren't going to come through and they aren't going to be successful for Aston Villa. You know, some of them won't make it and they will perform for League Two and League One. But... It, as long as we've got a crop of about three or four that do make it and do come into the team and make an impact, then, you know, we'll be laughing because it saves us money in the long term, whilst it also boosts our reputation for getting other youngsters in. I think Louis Barry was instrumental in that. I think ever since we signed him from Barca, you know, youth players looked at us and went, wow. I want to be there. I want to, I want to play with him and I want to play under their coaches. But yeah, look, the ceiling for Chuck Rameka and in terms of price, I couldn't put a price on him. Just what, what, what you do in the video games is you have that one player and you'd be like, no, well, block offers for them. And I, that would be Chuck Rameka for me. Yeah, hundred percent. And I mean, I think the other kind of thing too, um, before we wrap things up is, there's a lot of money and Chelsea are probably the best example in loaning out young players and loan fees. And we're starting to see that now. I don't know any of the, the totals for what we probably made on loan fees, but you look at where players are going to, was it, was it Mungo bridge that went to France or something? I like just all over the shop. People are going to, or youth players, I should say are going to all over the globe from what it seems like. And it's just kind of, in my opinion, expanding your horizons, not only as a player, but as a person. And hopefully that makes you a better player in the long run. But Seb, you're raising That's really your good you mentioned that because that that is another thing. Like the more youth players we send out that end up doing well, and I'll quit this quick because Danny's giving me wide eyes, but the more players that we send out on loan that do well, um, the more the better quality clubs will come in and want to take our youth players. So We'll have more. We'll have higher quality clubs being willing to take a risk on our on our youth players having them on loan because they know how good our academy is. He's seen something astronomical. I haven't seen anything astronomical. What are you talking about? I meant Dan. No, sorry. I was just. I've, I've got the Brazil Argentina game on uh, in the background, and honestly, just really weird scenes going on. The health authorities have, have come onto the pitch. Um, I don't know if you guys heard about the Emmy Martinez and the Emmy Buendia situation earlier. Uh, there was rumours that they, the health authorities um, didn't want them around. Anyway, right. I want to pick up on the youth situation. 
Seb, what's what's going on? Why are you shaking your head? What's happening? Only, only because we were talking pre-match and me and Cole were going, oh, I'm quite worried about the Emmy Buendia and Emmy Martinez situation. And Danny do- turns around and goes, no, it's false. It's false. It, no, it's not true. The health authorities don't care. It's, it's all a load of rubbish. Like, it's just a rumour. It's rubbish. And then suddenly what? Danny's seen the health authority and the police enter the pitch and he's like, no, 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 it's true, guys. Look, it's true. It's Wait, true. no, but that's, that's because Emmy Martinez did start. He did start, right? He showed a picture of, him, of himself with his shirt before the game. Um, it's impossible to know what's going to happen after this podcast, right? But um, I, let's, let's, let's go back to what we were talking about, right? You're talking about you're talking about the youth academy and essentially what Villa have here is that you look at Chelsea and I think we're probably following that model ever so slightly where Chelsea have almost like a churn out where they're constantly you know bringing superstars through sending them out on loan and like you know we've got a loan manager now who I believe is Mila Yedinak um, keeping an eye on, on on these players it's clear that we uh, that we have plans for them all um, and yeah no I think I think what I'd like to see is now over the next few years, the money that we spend will be a lot of money on specific players that we know are going to improve the team, where I think that what we're really going to try and see is, well, basically become a self-producing team. That's what we want to be, you know. We want to kind of be like a net zero team almost, where, you know, the the, the majority of our problems are solved by by the youth academy that's what i'd like to see anyway but that's like a, that's like the dream isn't it that's like the barcelona dream if we can <laughs> if we can do something like that if we can set up like i think i think a lot of it has to do with the way that brentford was set up and it's probably like why dean smith's like involved in everything uh yeah that's what i'd like to see yeah it's about being so sustainable i mean um good point about the barca thing in the past i don't want to be them right now but nonetheless um <laughs> no no yeah, yeah sure yeah. <laughs> not right now <laughs> just want to put that out there but uh <laughs> Nonetheless, guys, let's uh, wrap things up there. We've been going on for more than long enough. So thank you very much to both Seb and Danny, of course, for joining me on this Sunday. I uh, hope everyone has a fantastic Monday. Of course, when this goes out, we'll be back uh, hopefully with an opposition preview later in the week. But without further ado, and don't forget, up the villa. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.